Welcome to the 2019 edition of Dykema's Washington Update. I'm Jim Brandell with Dykema's government policy team here in Washington, D.C. I'm joined with Andy Buchek and Mary Meth McGowan. So welcome to this year's brand new edition. Um, let's kick this off by talking about the 116th Congress that was sworn in on the 3rd of January of this month. Um, Andy, what's the breakdown of, of Congress in this new Congress? Well, we've got a Democratic takeover in the House, so there are 235 Democratic seats to 199 Republican seats, which gives the Democrats in this Congress roughly about the same margin as Republicans had in the last Congress. So uh, expect a lot of close votes in the, in, the, in the House of Representatives this time around. And Mayor Beth, in the Senate, um, it looks like uh, just the opposite in regards to the trends um, took place. Exactly. Um, the Senate, in the Senate, the Republicans maintained their majority and added a couple seats. So they have um, they have 53 senators on the Republican side to 47 Democrats um, in the Senate. So with that, I know um, one of the first orders of business that we see with new Congress are, are committee assignments. Those are still being worked out this year since. Uh, there have been um, shifts in control, so those are something we will see later this month, and uh, in our next episode for next month, we'll we'll touch on those and give you some highlights of some of the, the committee assignments that are taking place. Um, but with that, we do know there are going to be some changes uh, with um, the committees, even if we don't know the exact ratios and the committee assignments quite yet. Um, small things that the Democrats are doing now that they've taken over. Um, we know that they've changed the, uh, the name of the uh, Education and the Workforce Committee in the House back to uh, a title they used previously, Education and Labor. Um, I know there's talk of a, of a climate change select committee. Um, what do we know about some of these other changes, Andy, Mary Beth? Well, I think that there's been some changes in the rules um, from the standpoint that Republicans had instituted a, a, a term limit on committee chairman. Democrats have lifted that. And so um, we necessarily won't see, if Democrats are able to hold on to the majority for a long period of time, you won't see a lot of turnover at the top of committees like you did on the Republican side. There's been some changes, uh, you know, sort of arcane type changes related to how the debt limit is dealt with and some of the other sort of operating rules of the House. But um, for the most part, I think we're going to uh, see some, you know, the House operate. Everyone always talks about operating transparency and regular order, and things tend to uh, break down as the issues become more controversial. And I suspect we'll probably see similar things happen uh, this time. So just with, with that, I know... Um, you know, Nancy Pelosi was elected for the second time historically as the Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader um, for the Republicans. Um, the Democrats also have a lot more leadership positions that they've kind of added on since the last time they were in the majority. Is that correct? Yes. So they've had the, the same leadership team that was in place essentially stayed in place. But they've added some, some new members to the leadership team. And so Ben Ray Lujan, congressman from New Mexico, who was the head of the DCCC during the last election cycle, moves into the leadership ranks as the assistant to the majority leader, which puts him number four. And then Hakeem Jeffries uh, won the race to be the, the caucus chair, which makes him the number five in leadership. And they're sort of the two new 
fresh faces to the leadership ranks. And there's been obviously a lot of calls for um, opening up the leadership ranks to new members since the top of the Democratic leadership team has been in place for almost 20 years now. And so we're starting to see some of you know the younger members who are ambitious and anxious to uh, get a seat at the leadership table start to sort of make their way in. Excellent. So, you know, with this new team, obviously comes the new rules package that you alluded to. Mary Beth, do you, what are some of the highlights that we're seeing from, you know, the way the Democrats are planning on running Congress versus the way the Republicans have for the last several um, Congresses? Sure. Well, Speaker Pelosi, one of the things she had been talking about um, prior to actually taking over Speaker was to increase transparency. And so you'll see I think one of the, the new parts of the rule is to, that a bill has to be posted, I think it's 72 hours um, in advance of being act on. They are also going to make um, some changes. One of the things we have coming up is to address the impending um, reaching the debt limit and to kind of make, make that easier. They, they are doing some rules changes that if the House can agree to a budget resolution, it would automatically send a debt limit increase over to the Senate, which, which just makes procedurally that a little bit easier. Um, they would do some other, change some other rules um, like prohibiting amendments to appropriations bills, uh, if that would increase the level of budget authority, or just basically increasing spending, they would they would get rid of that to make some of um, to make it easier to get through some democratic priorities. Yeah, so we'll we'll definitely be on the lookout for some of those changes and how it affects it um, on, on the day to day. So with that, with this new Congress, Andy and Mary Beth, there's obviously you know the Democrats have a different agenda than what the Republicans had. Obviously, there's a lot that's coming down the pike, potentially the Mueller report coming out soon, and you know, no one really knows how that's going to affect um, you know, what's going on in Congress. But let's talk about um, you know, some of the things immediately that are going on. Number one, the shutdown, obviously, um, is, is taking place underneath this whole backdrop of a, of a brand new Congress. So um, you know, what are the prospects of you know where where are we in the in the shutdown and and how is that affecting operations and the policy right now in, in uh, Washington, Andy? Well, I think that the, the a number of impacts from the shutdown, but first and foremost is it kind of derails a Democratic agenda coming forward. Normally, you see the new Congress gets sworn in and they have an agenda going forward, an ambitious agenda on a whole bunch of policy issues. And all of those seem to be a little bit on hold at the moment until the government shutdown can get resolved. Um, and while you know, people quickly point out that it's not the entire federal government and that a lot of the federal government has been funded, about three quarters of it have been funded, that, that's true in terms of funding levels. But in terms of the number of agencies that are impacted by the shutdown, there are a large number of agencies, you know, well over half that are, um, even though they're smaller in budget, are still shuttered as a result. So things like EPA and the Interior and the Park Service and the Smithsonian and Transportation and HUD are all right now operating under a government shutdown. And so number of federal workers are furloughed. And there doesn't seem to be at this moment an obvious path as to how this gets resolved. Both sides are still dug in. And, you know, the, the longer it goes... Um, I think the harder it gets for people to back away and uh, give in. And I don't think we've seen kind of the worst of the impacts of the shutdown yet. Um, right now we're about, you know, entering its third week and really, as Andy said, no end in sight, but um, federal workers haven't missed a paycheck yet and that's about to happen. And I think that's, you know, 
when it gets more into that the, the pay cycle and, and missing more paychecks, we're going to see um, more hardship and more more pressure to to do something. Right, and they've been able to use a lot of I don't want to say gimmicks, but a lot of shifting of funds to try to work through this and keep it going. And you know, the first couple of weeks of the shutdown, all the Smithsonian's were able to stay open. They're now closed. They're using park fees to try to collect trash in the national parks to alleviate that problem. But it becomes harder and harder to sort of use those types of steps the longer this shutdown goes on. And like we said, it doesn't. there's not an obvious path forward. You know, the president is speaking from the Oval Office to try to win people to his side. The Democrats are going to try to rebut what he says. And unless there's a huge shift in public opinion, I think both sides right now feel like their supporters are strongly behind their positions. And so until that shifts somewhere, we're still in this standstill. Well, we'll, we'll see as that progresses. And the, the State of the Union has been set for January 29th. Um, uh, my prediction is this will get resolved by then. We'll see if, um, if I'm right or not. Um, but with that, with that agenda that's being kind of clouded by this uh, shutdown or partial government shutdown. Let's talk about some of the big areas, though, that we know the Democrats are going to focus on in the 116th Congress and the areas that, that we're definitely going to be talking about in future podcasts here um, in, for, at the Dykema Washington Podcast Update. So let's talk about some. There's a whole bunch that they've been talking about when they were running. Um, so, Andy, Mary Beth, let's talk about which ones do you think are kind of rise to the, the, the top that we're going to see probably sooner rather than later when it comes to these issues. Well, I think the first one that jumps out is related to oversight and investigations because Democrats in the House don't need cooperation from the Senate or the White House in order to accomplish that type of uh, priority. And there was obviously lots of talk on the campaign trail of holding the administration accountable. And there were lots of frustrations on the Democratic side of subpoenas they wanted to issue not being approved by uh, Republicans in the House. And now there are no barriers to any investigation. And so I think you're going to see wide-ranging investigations, not just on the administration, but on private companies where there are questions to be raised. I know there's been talk in the financial services sector of investigations into things like Wells Fargo and some of the others. Certain cabinet secretaries' names are often mentioned about conflicts of interest beyond you know, just the, the Trump business uh, questions and Russia investigation and the types of things that, you know, have gotten big headlines lately. And so I think the one thing you can take to the bank is that there will be a significant increase in the number of oversight and investigations hearing held in the House, probably more in the first six months of the year than we've seen in the first two years of the Trump administration. And so, Mary Beth, what are some other ones um, that, we, that yeah, we're hearing about? Like we said, um, Speaker Pelosi reinstated although I think it has a different name, but the Select Committee on the Climate Crisis is what it's called now. So, um, you know, and she refers to it as in the existential threat of our time. So I think we'll see um, some movement in that area. And there's also been some reports that on the Republican side, you know, some in the Republican Party are recognizing that they need to come up with a climate solution to attract younger voters. And so there may, you know, there may be... Um, some back and forth there and, and some room for compromise. And we've seen a lot of the new members sort of highlight that issue both in their campaign and some of their first comments after being sworn in about climate change. 
And I think there's going to be a big push from those members for the House to take some type of action, even if they know that the president would never sign it or that type of legislation has limited to no chance of moving in the Senate. I think they want to lay down a few markers and we'll probably see folks, you know, push that pretty early on in the agenda. Well, I, I agree. I think we'll definitely see those. I think there's also an understanding of health care uh, to be one of the top issues, too. I mean, the, the Democrats, um, well, many of them uh, won uh, on those issues when it came to uh, potential threats to you know, pre-existing condition rollbacks or premium increases. Um, do you think any of these areas are things they can agree upon with folks in the Senate for any kind of changes? I know the president has railed on, um, for example, prescription drug prices. That kind of aligns with some, where some people are on those. Do you see any kind of um, common areas where the president and a divided Congress might be able to come together? Well, I think two things about it. One, I think prescription drug prices is probably the one area where everyone can come to some type of an agreement to get something done. But in some of those other areas you mentioned, like pre-existing conditions and some of the other aspects of the Affordable Care Act, the, the cases pending in the courts are going to, it seems as though, going to force Congress to take some type of action. You know, right now there's an injunction on a ruling that overturned all of the Affordable Care Act that's on appeal. Everyone expects that that is, once again, going to end up at the Supreme Court and if certain aspects of that law get declared unconstitutional this time with the new makeup of the court, it will force Congress to act. And I mean, I think regardless of whether you are a Democrat or Republican in the last election cycle, every candidate every single day talked about how they wanted to protect pre-existing conditions and that there was no threat to pre-existing conditions. And if Obama, any major portions of the Affordable Care Act get overturned, that threatens protections for pre-existing conditions pretty dramatically and would force folks who might not agree on a whole lot on health care to figure out a way to work together to get something done. And so I, I think that we will almost certainly see some action on health care that probably seemed unimaginable a couple of years ago with both sides sort of forced to the table to reach some type of an agreement. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an, uh, an ear and eye out on those things. I also would like to throw in there retirement policy, obviously, was, is one that seemed to be almost making it across the finish line at the 115th Congress, um, but never quite made it. Um, the, the Chairman Brady and the House Ways and Means Committee at the time passed um, uh, several tax bills that never were passed the, the full Congress that um, addressed different parts of retirement policy and, and saving for Americans. The Senate has had their versions of their um, Retirement um, Enhancement Savings Act, their RESA bill. Um, so I think that might be another area where in the 116th Congress you might be able to find some agreement between Republicans and Democrats uh, and the president on, on, on savings for, for Americans. Would you consider that one of the more ripe areas where there's been so much work done and that there is somewhat of a relative agreement between Democrats and Republicans on the policy front? It's definitely an area where there's been a long history of bipartisan work. In the Senate, um, uh, Senators Cardin and Portman have put together uh, bills in the past as well as currently have a draft bill out there on a variety of retirement policy issues. And in the House side, incoming chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Richard Neal of Massachusetts, has made retirement policy one of his key priorities for most of his career and has a bill out there of, of items he wants to address. So I definitely think that's ripe for a bipartisan approach 
for that. So um, with anything, I think uh, earlier in the in the year is probably best when it comes to getting things accomplished. So we'll see how those these things progress over the next few months. Um, and as we get into 2020 and a presidential year, um, you know, history has shown us that a lot of times politics crowds out getting policy done. So um, we will see. However, in 1996, they did pass, um, um, you know, a lot of different bills in an, in an election year as well and some of the other presidential years. But, but time will tell. Well, that's going to be it for this month's edition of the Dykema Washington Update. We have a, a lot of material um, over the coming months that we're going to be talking to you about. But thank you for joining us, and we look forward to you to join us in the future. The materials contained in this audio are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute the legal or other professional advice of Dykema Gossett PLLC and affiliates. Dykema. Neither Dykema nor any other Dykema entity accepts any responsibility for any loss which may arise from reliance on information contained in this audio. Permission is given for the downloading and temporary storage of this audio for the purpose of viewing on a personal electronic device. The contents of this audio are protected by copyright under international conventions, and apart from the permission stated, the reproduction, permanent storage, or retransmission of the contents of this audio is prohibited without the prior written consent of DICOMA. Rules of certain state Supreme Courts may consider this advertising and require us to advise you of such designation. Copyright 2017, Dykema Gossett, PLLC.